Greetings and welcome to Karma Light Conversations. This is Frances Harry, your host. Today we have a new presenter to Karma Light Conversations. Her name is Jean Crawley. She is a secular order discussed Carmelite in the community um, in Dayton, Ohio. And her presentation is about the church's birthday. So it's a perfect uh, talk to listen to as we prepare for Pentecost. She talks about absence and silence, how we need to vacate the premises, so to speak, um, in order to be open to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And that the Pentecost is both the fruit and the challenge of Christ's um, humanity being absent from us. She talks about um, how we are to prepare for the future um, union with God at the end of time and how the Holy Spirit is working to prepare us and she uses many quotes, uh, especially from Holy Mother, St. Teresa of Avila, and even St. John of the Cross. So she does present at the end a nice spiritual challenge. And I think that this will maybe uh, give you something to think about. And so it is with great joy that I um, present to you Jean Crowley and her presentation called The Church Prepares Year After Year for the anniversary of her birth, the church and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for joining us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of that faithful, and kindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall create. You shall create. Okay, so bear with me. Um, I do have backups. I wanted to make just a couple oral comments before the paper because we've made a switch today in talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about, I got to tell you, it's nice having friendly faces out there. I'm, I'm already calming down. Um, we're talking about God as a verb. Usually we're very used to his being, looking at the Trinitarian image. How is this reflected in us? How do we develop this? You know, on and on and on. And that's, that's important. Everything is one in God, so the only way we can come to know him is try to figure out all the ways he's had to sort it out in us to understand, to approximate, to apprehend. But with my topic, the church prepares year after year for the anniversary of her birth, the church and the Holy Spirit, we're talking about action. So remember, against everything I say, I always mean to say God is one, okay? God is three, but God is one. The formula for his being is distinct, but not separate. When we talk about his action, we really go awry. As my, my cousin, the priest says, when they let the bird out of the cage, things got messy. So I want you to try to close your eyes a bit, try to rearrange the furniture, and instead of thinking action, up, down, right, wrong, good, bad, male, female, try to think in terms of time and place. Sounds abstract, and yet we're used to as Carmelites praying and trying to make sure that this moment is interiorly at the center where we are, right? Time joins, joins place 
and therein we meet God, if he lets it. When two people get, oh, and let me back up a minute. Um, I think of male and female as time and place. So in other words, women don't find their fulfillment, their completion in men. Men don't find their fulfillment, their completion in women. To say that one time is more important than place, this is all crazy. The only time we find our completion and our fulfillment is in God. Otherwise, we've got two, two forces in God. That sounds like two minutes in one. Two forces from God walking side by side. And what happens when they get together? Love, life, children. Again, all things that cannot be separated, pulled out. Okay? So when I think about action and I think about God's time, in my mind, we live in a day. We go through it from morning, afternoon, evening, night. Look around us. We are at different points in our own days. Some of us are in the evening of our lives. Some of us, the twilight. Some of us, the end. Some of us, the high afternoon, it appears. A little bit longer time. So we go through a day in much the same way that the church goes through the day, through its year, liturgically. This day of the year keeps repeating itself, and yet it fits into other ages, right? Right now we're in the age of the Holy Spirit, the age of the church, the end of the day. Christ is returning, we don't know when, but if we are in the night of our church, we have to prepare. Like the wise virgins, trim the candle. Make sure you have an extra store of oil. All of these things that the wise virgins teach us as we await, actively await Christ's second coming. So when we think about the Holy Spirit, we're thinking about this, this action, this time. What is time? Time is the measure of change as we go forward, as we live life. Yes, we each do with this. I think men will help us get through that more quickly, more orderly, better. And yet what happens when we, well, say that point for another, another time. When the church takes on this action in a yearly cycle, we right now are in our night. So think of this, and I'll be going over this in the paper, bazillions of years of history, and then a moment, a moment in time and place where Christ ruptures everything, appears on the scene, intervenes. At this point, after his, well, what I think of as from Palm Sunday through Pentecost, is what sets the stage for this 2,000-year this night, this 2,000-year Yom Kippur. So um, with that, if there's any questions, I'll entertain them at the end. Can you all still hear me? Okay. In what might be a bit of divinely inspired wisdom itself, the advice my father gave me as I began dating, quote, never, never make any big decisions in the excitement of the moment. When I was young, Jean, I would always wait until the day after the date was over to see if I was going to ask her out again. Never mind the genius of reminding a teenager that there is, in fact, a voice other than hormones for which one should listen. 
My father's advice echoed still deeper truths that had formed this Catholic white noise which enveloped my youth. Absence and silence are absolutely necessary to sort out much in life. And to do so, we must do it with God. Quote, the soul is almost always in quiet, free of tears, that this favor could be counterfeited by the devil. The soul is well protected. God and the soul rejoice together in his dwelling place in deepest silence. The intellect isn't needed and can only glimpse as through a small crevice the way the Lord teaches and helps the soul. End quote. That's from Interior, Teresa of Avila's Interior Castle. John's gospel echoes the above truism with a very direct Jesus. If I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. In an article in the Catholic thing, Michael Pakaluk reminds us of Gregory the Great's observation about this very verse. Quote, it's as if Jesus said plainly, if I withdraw not my body from your eyes, I cannot lead you to the understanding of the invisible through the comforting spirit. We human beings need the physical to vacate the premises, so to speak, before we are ever going to be able to see and hear what escapes our eyes and ears in order to understand the invisible and make a home in the silent absence. In these, Pentecost is both the fruit and the challenge of Christ's absence. As we will see, it's way more than just the birth of the church. <clears throat> Christ's life, death, and resurrection opened the gates of heaven. His ascension into heaven inaugurated the kingdom of heaven and sealed us in waiting. Humanity, the form that we're in now, finally has a place in heaven and for all time. Flesh and bone, redeemed by Christ in love, can now be glorified and live with God. Imagine, imagine this promise. Pentecost brings more gifts than even this. With the arrival of the Holy Spirit, what man had done by building a tower to the heavens at Babel was now undone. In the form of tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit rested on the disciples on the morning of Pentecost and filled them with himself. Only in the spirit is confusion calmed, division made one. The only language that matters now is silence. And if it was, quote, from the side of Christ, as he slept the sleep of death upon the cross, that there came forward the wondrous sacrament of the whole church, then it is Pentecost that baptized her into God's family. Pentecost, or that breath, the Ruha Yahweh, that action of God that shows us how to move toward union and communion with God within a corporate body, the church, the Holy Spirit that teaches each of us the language of silence is moving in and around us, the church, to lead her to Christ. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit also seals and confirms the covenant of love between Christ and his bride, the church. And this marks the beginning of even a newer age. Jesus has gone to his father's house and will soon come for his bride, the church. We are now given the time to prepare both as the church and as individuals within this body of Christ. Be attentive, be vigilant. In fact, the church prepares year after year for the anniversary of her birth because this is the day she's espoused to Christ. 
she will meet the one who will guide her to her spouse, her groom. Quote, because Jesus took on a male humanity, therefore, the incarnation is completely, precisely through the, fe is completed, I'm sorry, precisely through the feminine character of the church. So much so that St. Thomas, among others, taught that the original unity of Adam and Eve was a sign of the incarnation that was to come. The Holy Spirit brings us individually and as a church into our maturity. <coughs> the church, with nothing more than faith in the great silent unseen, takes the hand of the Holy Spirit and walks forward. She grows in grace and beauty as the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit bloom and grow. This espousal of Christ and his bride, the church, marks the beginning of a time of both waiting and preparation. As Christ is in his father's house preparing for his bride, his church waits faithfully. She accepts the Holy Spirit's guidance, teaching, comforting, healing, strengthening, and so much more. During this time, the bride, composed of all of those gathered into the body of Christ, endeavors to allow the Holy Spirit to make her firm her faith, enliven her hope, and animate her charity. She must be ready when the groom comes. What is to come? I'm not going to read the three full paragraphs from the catechism. They're listed in the paper I sent out, but I will paraphrase for you. Number one. The church will undergo a final trial that will come in the form of an apostasy. I'm not sure if you know what apostasy is, but you can only do it if you're baptized. In other words, it's the adherence to an untruth that as a baptized Catholic you know is false, and yet you stick with it. So this is something that will come up in the, in the church. It is the willful and persistence, persistence faithfulness to the lie. Number two, while this lie, lie will be spread through many antichrists, it will be given a voice through the antichrist who will offer mankind a secular salvation through a messiah who ultimately will show himself to be false. This lie is already present today and growing with each additional voice that swears allegiance and shouts aloud, man by his own devices can achieve a universal justice equality and peace, a utopia here on earth. And finally, number three, the church, Christ's bride, must endure this final Passover where she will share in Christ's passion, death, and resurrection before she can enter the glory of the kingdom of God. The church will only emerge from her agony, scourging, crowning, carrying the cross and crucifixion by Christ's intervention and triumph over the forces of evil. Just as we cannot bring about our own individual salvation, the church cannot achieve her own entry. She too awaits Christ's return. As the church faces and endures this final trial, the church will be strengthened by those who filled with the Holy Spirit will stand and die with the truth, in the truth and for the truth. As individuals face their earthly mortality and take on Christ's passion, death and resurrection, so too will the church individuals and the corporate body, the bride. This is from the Ascent to Mount Carmel, and this is what the church is taking on, as do we. To come to enjoy what she has not, she must go by a way in which she enjoys not. To come to the knowledge she has not, she must go by a way in which she knows not. 
To come to the possession she has not, she must go by a way in which she possesses not. To come to be which she is not, she must go by a way too in which she is not. As individuals and as church, our hearts quicken. We long for life with love incarnate, with no obstacles, nothing separating us. Even as we step forward tentatively, reminding ourselves he will return, we know that God will look to every soul like it's his first love, because it is his first love. I'm sorry, this was a quote. Place in uh, our place in heaven will seem to be made for us and us alone because we were made for it. Made for it, stitch by stitch, as a glove is made for a hand. C.S. Lewis. And so in this season of the silent unseen, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit to wait as Christians wait and to prepare as Christians prepare. The new law is the grace of the Holy Spirit given to the faithful through faith in Christ. That's from the Catechism, 1966. We wait and prepare for the groom's return much as we did his arrival. We pray, we fast, we help the poor. We do penance, make amends and atone. We seek only his will. We worship him. And for love of God, we love those around us. We seek to fill every moment with loving the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength. Mark 12:30. This means that even when in doubt, we must close our eyes to see and apprehend the reassuring beauty of truth. When in agony, we must find the silence wherein God's whisper soothes our soul. And when trapped in the isolation of ourselves, we open our hearts to allow God's gentle inbreathing. Nothing more is asked, nothing less is expected, and this is all done in the Holy Spirit. We not only fill our time waiting with spiritual practices, but there's, there's time to prepare practically. A Christian's waiting is never idle or wasted. We do what God calls us to do. That our, quote, hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness or the anxieties of daily life. Quote, the devil frequently fills our thoughts with great schemes so that instead of putting our hands to what work we can do to serve our Lord, we may, be, we may rest satisfied with wishing to perform impossibilities. Interior Castle. Taking care, we retreat again to the silent absence and give, give over ourselves in trust, letting go of our great plans. Quote, all one need to do is go into solitude and look at him with oneself and not turn away from so good a guest, but with great humility speak to him as a father. Beseech him as you would a father. Tell him about all your trials. Ask him for a remedy against them, realizing that you are not worthy to be his daughter. How do we keep our hands busy from these idle schemes? We bring our lamps to meet the bridegroom. We make sure to bring flasks of oil with the lamps. By the way, this is Matthew 25. <clears throat> so that if the bridegroom is delayed, we may slumber peacefully. And when there is a cry at midnight, we may then rise to trim our lamps, ready to go with him to the marriage feast. We will not be left outside the door after the door is shut. A true lover of Christ is always watching, for we know neither the day nor the hour. Keep a store of oil ready. God asks nothing more or expects nothing less. We trust God that you are where you are meant to be, Teresa of Avila, Interior Castle. We also never forget in the measure you desire him, you will find him. He is so esteems our turning to look at him. 
St. Therese of Avila, way of perfection. No one knows how long human souls have been trying to make their way to God after the fall. No one knows how long this last age, the age of the Holy Spirit, the age of the church will last before the consummation of God's promises and our union with him. The only thing we are certain of is that like a point, no bigger than the head of a pin, Jesus is Christ, Jesus Christ, life, death, passion, resurrection, and ascension exploded into this time and, and place to change for all time our trajectory and what is possible for us. The temple curtain has been rent and as church, we step through and begin our journey with the Holy Spirit. We indeed not only walk in our own day, but in a day with the church, a year, an era. When the, quote, when the Father sends his word, he always sends his breath, Catechism 689. We are liturgical people, and as we journey through the year as church, or ecclesia, those who are called by God, we accept Jesus Christ's invitation. We walk the Via Dolorosa, knowing that the Holy Spirit is guiding our steps to the place prepared. We do this with and in the Holy Spirit, as a child of God and as part of the church, Christ's bride. The spirit that descended because of Jesus is now available to all. This fullness of the spirit was not meant to remain uniquely with the Messiah, but was to be communicated to the whole messianic people, Catechism 1287. We have been blessed with the presence of the Holy Spirit and will soon be blessed again this year on Pentecost. We are graced with new eyes. We are able to find and see what is true, good, and beautiful. This is what we must practice. I put before you the following questions. Ask yourself, have I been granted the restoration of sight that allows a person to glimpse that his or her true home is heaven and that the signposts pointing to home are all around? Every common bush is a fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around picking blackberries. This quotes are from um, Joseph Pierce from the Imaginative Conservative. Again, when last did we open our, ourselves to the breathtaking, that moment that hits us like a thunderbolt when the Holy Spirit makes himself manifest? Quote, if we have the humility of the saint and the eyes of the romantic poet, we will be grateful for the gift of beauty, being rendered speechless in its presence, that we might hearken to the silence and its visual music. Having strengthened our spirits, stocked enough oil to light up the night, we only need remember that which we are all doing here daily anyways. We wait, we prepare, and we pray in the spirit. The prayer of relationship, one in which we share our desires, make sacrifices, offer ourselves in a vowed way to God, is what feeds us. In this kind of prayer, we slip into the Holy Spirit to go where he leads. Like a fish gliding in the ocean currents, when we pray in the Spirit, we rest in him while he moves in and through us. Quote, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within him. John 7.38 from the Vigil Mass of Pentecost. In the end, everything is done in, with, and through the Holy Spirit. Beginning with Ascension Thursday's extinguishing of the Paschal candle, initially lit at the Easter Vigil, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday knowing that even though the Holy Spirit has come, Jesus has passed from this world, 
and we take up the long vigil until his return. Christ's second coming, the parousia, which is Greek meaning the presence or the essence, cannot come soon enough. Veni Sancte Spiritus.